Hey, I'm Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Please come and check out this exciting episode we have for you. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Today, we have a really cool guest with us, Army veteran Hank Brixton. Hank is in the movie production world, and we're super excited to uh, learn about his whole journey. So, Hank, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? Uh, pretty great. I complained in the pregame a little bit about these spring allergies, but other than that, can't complain too much. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, at least the sun's shining and, you know, the plants are blooming, right? Looking forward to it being green. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Well, tell us uh, tell us a bit about your background and, and who you are and what you're up to. I mean, I know you're you're in the army, so tell us about that whole experience. What was what compelled you to to raise your right hand and and swear in? I couldn't do like the Navy or Marines because I don't like the ocean. Like I just don't want to not see land. I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. Maybe I saw Jaws too many times. As a kid. I don't know. <laughs> but it's just, I'm not a fan. Um, and I don't know. The army just appealed. I've always followed my intuition, uh, and it said to go. So nice. So uh, you joined like right out of high school, then? You know, like a lot of kids, like within like three weeks of graduation, I was off to basic training, and that was quite a transition. Yeah, that's a big difference. You, uh, yeah, you see it in movies and stuff, uh, but it's definitely different to be there. So what'd you do in the army? What was your job? I was uh, an intel analyst, actually. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like I always tell people, I can't really talk about it but it's like even if i did you probably get bored yeah are you just behind a computer all day or i mean there's that aspect of it depending on you know your duty station um and maybe that computer is in a box in the desert or up on a hill or maybe you land some real cushy gig in a in a giant building in the middle of the continental u.s which i happened to do the last couple of years i was in so oh, there you go i got air force barracks which was like amazing yeah uh, so that was cool but you know you also have to do a lot of the jungle stuff you got to carry the radio you gotta you gotta do those types of things so yeah and uh and you know when you're the when you're the techie smart guy from up on the hill or whatever you definitely uh get treated a little differently mostly a loving way but you know you know how soldiers like to mess with each other yeah there's no end to that well um and i and i dished it out i gotta say so i i probably deserved plenty of that that came back my way well, you have to, right? I mean, you won't survive unless you can dish it back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, instigate it a lot, honestly. Yeah. Well, yeah, us Air Force guys, we, we had it made with when it comes to barracks. Um, I was always jealous. Like, it was, uh, I think our barracks in Korea, like, like, literally, they, one of my buddies killed a rat in the bathroom with a hockey stick. Wow. And uh, they flooded one time. And then, yeah, you go over to the Air Force barracks and it's like... It's like a Hilton. And the chow hall's not too bad either. I would definitely do the Air Force if I did it over again. Like, no doubt. I hear that a lot from uh, people. The Army recruiter called and I was just like, why not? I'm an easy sell. Yeah. I'm a cheap date. So how long did you serve? Six active. Okay. And then I was on, you know, I was on that... I was on the... God, inactive reserve, I think is what they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But that was a dicey period because that was... That, that inactive reserve time was when we're like deep in Iraq. So like I could have been back in at any point. Yeah. They could have picked I up. I didn't make phone. a lot of plans. I'll just put it that way. When you got out, what did you do after you got out of the army? Uh, believe it or not, I went to film school. Oh, no kidding. Time. Where'd you go to film yeah, school? It's actually interesting because I, you know, I made movies my whole childhood for the most part. Uh, but especially in high school, 
And when I transitioned to the military, that kind of went away for a while. Like I just didn't even think about it. Right. Um, but then when I was stationed in Korea, uh, some of the guys and I just, we, someone had a VHS camera and we're like, let's make a movie. And so we made like the silliest movie about just basically a guy going around killing people on our post. That was it. It was really dumb, but everyone loved it because, you know, you got to see like a bunch of your friends in it. And, you know, the camaraderie is different when you're when you're overseas somewhere because everyone's like missing home together and, and hates the world to a degree like right. everything's against you there's there's i don't know there's some sort of vibe like that but like and uh you know when we made that movie um i think the company commander even came like we were in one of the barracks in the day room uh and they had a tv set up and like everyone that wasn't on shift watched the movie together and that was pretty cool you went to film school then um did you just immediately start making films or did you go to work somewhere kind of learning how to master the craft or well, I actually dropped out of film school because I got a job offer in L.A. So I figured, you know, why get a degree? Like, that's what I'm getting a degree for. So I uh, took that. And then, yeah, you know, when you get to Hollywood, it's it's like basic training again. Like it's you're starting at the bottom again. And a lot of it's just a pay your dues type of thing. And, well, I suffered at that time. So you have to suffer. You know, it's a thing we do as humans. We like to pass that suffering on to the, to the new guys, make sure they get as well-rounded and emotionally damaged as we are. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, so that was tough, but it was good. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not like, Oh my God, it's so hard. It's tough. You know, it's a big city. Uh, but you know, you work your way up, you meet people, you make friends and you know, eventually you, you got to, you have to make your own movie like you have to do something because if you're just waiting around for like the studio exec to like pass you on the street and see you and be like oh i saw your youtube film actually this was before youtube but for the kids now it's just it's hard like it was definitely a harder like time like to get your stuff out there there was no youtube yeah so what did you do like when you got to work in hollywood like what does an entry level person do oh i mean you've seen the the tropes and the and the stories on you know washing washing the washing the executive's car getting coffee like yeah you do all kinds of stuff like that um i had a lot of additional skills though um because i'd been doing film and stuff for so long i was really good with computers and cameras and all kinds of stuff and i knew a lot about special effects because i'd i'd made movies before i even got there like backyard stuff but it's like still when you make a movie like a ghostbusters fan film when you're you know 25 or so you know, you're not going to have visual effects artists and stuff just jumping up to like do all your stuff for you. You're not going to have uh, a lot of stuff that you would have. So you have to like learn all those things. So point of that is like, I had a lot of other skills, uh, filmmaking wise and, you know, some leadership skill, et cetera, from the military. Uh, and they took full advantage of that, paid me the same amount I was getting as the entry level guy, but gave me way more responsibility. Oh, that's always fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. So so how long so how long did you kind of hoof it doing the Hollywood gig before you branched out and, and tried your own? You know, anybody that's like an indie filmmaker trying to pay the rent in Los Angeles, like you're gonna work a job. Yeah. Very few people are like, I'm making movies and that's covering the bills. Um, when you see that, that's like a very small percentage of that industry. Uh everyone else is just you're like tradesmen. Uh you know, you have a trade. Like you're good at, you know, moving lights or running track. Your art department, you're literally moving furniture and painting walls and stuff like that. It's like 
and you can totally make a living doing that. There's plenty of people that, you know, work studio films, things like that, and, you know, make a living. Point of that is I worked in those trenches a lot. Uh, I did a lot of uh, behind the scenes camera things, a lot of post-production, which is editing and coloring and sound mixing and all that stuff. Uh, and that paid the bills and freed me up to every once in a while I could make a movie, uh, which is how I did my first three movies, I think. Okay. Um, and then in 2018, we moved back to Colorado, my wife and I. Um, she's like my partner in crime on everything, too. She, uh, She's a producer on all my films. Um, she's great. She acts, does a whole bunch of stuff. But we got back here, and some of our contacts were like, you know, you guys could make stuff for really cheap in Colorado, so we'll give you budgets. And so we've been making movies here since. So what, what all goes into, like, making the movie? Like, are you the one that has to, like, come up with the script and – the whole idea or do you have other people that suggest that or how does it work? That's an interesting question because a lot of people probably think that uh, I sat around thinking like snake out of Compton. That's what I want to make. That's my dream project, right? That's <laughs> right. going to, that's going to put me over the top. Um, no, um, you do think of your own stuff and once in a while, maybe you get to make that. But I would say the, the rule in, in the film industry is everybody wants their project made so even though i have stuff i want to do these things usually will come to me i'll be kind of like uh, a merc you know making this movie so snake out of compton is a perfect example uh where that project just kind of fell in my lap uh, a couple guys were hired to make it and they didn't like necessarily have time or whatever and they're like hey do you want to make this snake movie uh and so i agreed to do it uh, on the account or, uh, you know, under the understanding that we could rewrite the script, basically write a whole new movie. Cause I didn't really like the, the original. Um, and that's how that came about. So what you'll typically do is, you know, you might get hired on to direct, uh, you know, a snake out of Compton or, uh, Bronaconda or, you know, one of those sci-fi like creature features as we call them. Yeah. Uh, and then you got to put that whole thing together too. You got to figure out who's going to do the special effects. You got to, Get your friends to shoot it for really cheap. You know, do buddy rates. Get your friends to cameo and pop up in it. You know, all your actor friends, of course, want to roll. Um, but it's, I just don't have enough roles for everybody. So you, you try to, you try to hook all your friends up as well. But it's just, it doesn't always work out. So how long have you been doing it now? How many movies have you made? What? I mean, what's... movies that have been professionally released, I think five, I think we're on I think I just, yeah, number five is coming out this year. Uh, and then we're about to shoot a new film uh, in July, which will be fun. It's basically like a, a futuristic Navy SEAL team fighting some zombie-type creatures. Like super highbrow intellectual stuff. Hmm. But it'll be really fun. Uh, so that's six there. But it's like, you know, I made probably four or five features before I like was serious. Like, I'm going to try to sell this and get it, you know, properly distributed. Um, and then, you know, add on to that probably, you know, I don't know, 40 short films, wow. give or take. I, I imagine like that, the whole business side of it. And like, after you've made this film and actually selling it for some sort of distribution, like that's a whole nother like skill set, right? It's very, it's tough. And, and we lean on some connections we have that actually sell the film. Uh, and, and at the moment, like a lot of times those, those are the people that are also financing these films. Because they know if we spend X amount and it has this type of creature in it and this type of action, we can sell it for this amount. So it's worth it to do it. 
Um, so they know stuff like that, but it's like, yeah, it's the film. The whole thing is tough. It's like, if you're just, if you're a filmmaker, just trying to get a movie made, uh, it's super hard to raise money. Uh, it's very hard to produce a film, especially uh, if it's a lower budget film, because you're, everyone's wearing two hats, four hats, whatever it is, doing numerous jobs. And then the, the, the final phase of distribution is also very difficult. Um, I know plenty of filmmakers that have made their own thing and self-distributed, meaning like they got it on Amazon Prime, they put it on iTunes, maybe they got a, you know, a five-theater deal, something like that. It, it happens. Um, but you also have to spend a bunch of money on publicity uh, because it's, it's super hard to get people to even hear about your movie uh, because there's so many movies being made now. You have so many platforms and places that they can end up. It's, it's tough to corral those eyeballs. Yeah, and stand out from the noise, uh, and a lot of that is you know because the equipment's so much cheaper, which is why I always tell everyone it's simultaneously the best and worst time to be an indie filmmaker. I mean, it's the best because for minimal cost you can shoot really high quality stuff with you know consumer grade gear, but because of that everyone's making movies, and so it's just driven the value way down. You know, yeah. the entry barrier to filmmaking, you know, even 15 years ago was way higher than it is now you know you'd spend two or three hundred grand just on film um so when you guys are distributing it are you trying to get like big well-known studios to try and pick it up to to you know get it into theaters and stuff like that is to that the degree. goal yeah absolutely to a degree of course you want uh sony to buy your film all world all rights and put it on three thousand screens right that's yeah. the goal that's the dream um we kind of know what we're making though which is like a lot of these you know you know giant monster versus soldiers, you know, giant monster versus cowboys, whatever you're doing. Uh, you know, we know that there's kind of like a lower bar for that. And so the distributors that you're talking about in that realm is like mini majors or the other offshoots like, uh, like Lionsgate, um, Fox, all these companies have like small subsidiaries that specialize in these different types of genre pictures. And, and that's how they put those out there. Gotcha. Um, so that's probably who you're usually dealing with. But yeah, uh, the goal is always, you know, we're always trying to make a better film uh, and get to the point where we get that 3000 screen release. Yeah. Yeah. And is it, is it impacted you at all? I mean, not being in the Hollywood area versus being in Colorado. I mean, you always think of like filmmakers and actors and actresses and, you know, Hollywood's where you got to be for that. Um, and clearly you're not there now. So does that have, does that weigh in at all to what you guys do? The biggest impact is that we are able to work much cheaper than people that are still in LA. Uh, and we can get a lot of value out of, you know, various locations and you know, we have mountains and forests and things like that. Um, people in Western Colorado don't want thousands of dollars from you to film on their property, you know, things like that. So you have some advantages. Uh, obviously the, sh the talent pool is a lot more shallow. Uh, you know, we, pretty much have to bring all our actors from LA and, and like head positions. Um, it'd be great if we had that skill set here, but it's just, you know, everyone goes to LA or New York. So, yeah. So those people are there for the most part. Um, and then, you know, you're also at a, you know, a disadvantage for some jobs and things, you know, a lot of them are LA based, you know, editing gigs, things like that. So it's a trade off. Gotcha. Uh, but I will tell you that, we're way happier living in Colorado. We did LA for plenty long and it's nice to have uh, some space and some clean air. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice advantage, right? Um, yeah, definitely. 
So when when you're uh, when you are making a film, like what is what is your job or what are you doing? So are you directing? Um, are you? I mean, you're probably wearing multiple hats and doing a ton of different stuff. But what what are you typically doing in those? First and foremost, I'm primarily the director, um, but okay. I like to just consider myself a storyteller because I have you know I do so many things to shape that story, um, and that's you know a director's job is really like a traffic cop too take all the flood of good ideas and good work and concepts and things coming from all the different departments and just make sure they're kind of funneling towards uh, an objective that that fits the film that's you know going to be right for the movie yeah um but you know on these smaller films i definitely do a ton more as well it's like you have to produce uh producers type people that like they hire people and they they find all these different talents and bring them onto the movie they find locations they do all these things um, on lower budget films and then I you know I handle all the post-production because I you know that's a strength of mine I'm I'm a very good editor I've got you know a couple Emmys for editing and I also you know know a lot about sound mixing and visual effects I know enough to be dangerous with all those things that I can I can take the costs of post way down uh, so but you know to kind of sum it up you know I spent a good six to eight months working on one of these movies and four or five of that for sure is like solidly like you're developing the film you're shooting the film and now you're editing the film like you know 40 50 hours a week type stuff so it's a grind wow. you see these movies in red box and stuff and everybody likes to trash them and it's fun i like watching <laughs> crappy low budget movies and just having a good time with it but you'd be shocked how much work goes into it yeah i mean I, that's the part that amazes me and i imagine like as you're watching a movie, like you just see things different than the average person. I got to imagine, right. When you're watching either a high budget film or even a low budget film, like your perception has got to be different, right? I guess it has to, but I have no basis for comparison. <laughs> like there's no way for me to know, like, unless I could go into like a parallel dimension and find the me that never got into filmmaking and be like, what do you think of this? Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, as an artist watching these high end productions, it's like, I love, I love checking out the big budget stuff because you like to see how they can push it. You know, where's the technology at? What can we try to do at a cheaper level to emulate that? Um, and it's great. It's like sometimes you see stuff that's really inspiring and cool. But I'll be honest, there's a lot of times you're watching something and you're just like, this is so good. I'll never be any good. <laughs> like, so that happens too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so are there any like big players in the industry that you would, you know, like on your, your dream list to be able to work with? You know, it'd be cool to, there's, you know, there's like, am I working for a director? You know, am I directing a movie? There's, there's a lot, there's a lot of cool opportunities, but I will say, you know, just to answer your question and give you something, um, you know, Bill Murray would be pretty cool to work with. Nice. Now, have you had, have you had any opportunities to work with, you know, any, any celebrity type people? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially like in television. Uh, I've worked with a, a lot of them. Some A-listers, some B-listers, some C or D-lister. I guess I'd be like a, a, a W-lister or something far <laughs> down there. But uh, yeah, I've definitely there's some there's some stories. I don't some of them I don't want to share because uh, you know I don't want to I don't want to embarrass anybody. That you know some I will say that some of these people can be you know kind of jerks like you see uh, stereotypically. But I would say more often than not, uh, even like A-list stars are usually really nice. They're usually very professional and, you know, just kind of like do their job. They sweat through stuff just like you do. And, uh, you know, they get out a lot of them. A lot of these people, 
that have made lots of money in the film industry actually are aware of like just how lucky they are. Like, and that talent is one thing, but you still have to get lucky. Like yeah. you still have to be in the right place, meet the right people. Uh, when you make a movie, for example, even it's like, we don't know when you set out to make that movie, it's not going to be done and out for a year and a half or so, maybe two years. And you have no idea what audiences are going to want that. Uh, so like when a movie hits, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of amazing. It's probably like, it's a long, long time to wait, right? After you finish working to see what the response is from your work, right? Does it, yeah, does it sell honest, well? Do people like it? By the time a movie comes out these days, uh, I've already shot another one and I'm working on that one. Maybe I've even delivered that one and we're, we're on to like the third one. Um, last year, obviously, because of the whole COVID thing, we got a bit derailed. Uh, yeah. All the projects kind of dried up for a while and that was kind of weird. You know, people didn't know what to do at first, but now it's all coming back strong now. So like I said, you know, we're scheduled to shoot a movie here in July, which should be our, our biggest film yet. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. You know, we're going to have a couple names in that. Uh, we should have some cool action and just do our best and, and hope, hope that when it comes out in a year and a half, it finds that audience. Yeah. And somebody loves it. That's cool. Um, what would you say, what would you offer to people who want to get into the industry, whether they're trying to get into filmmaking on your side, or maybe they are trying to make it as an actor or an actress. Is there anything you've seen like through your experience where if someone came to you and they're you know 18 years old and said, this is what I want to do. Um, that you would say, here's a couple of things I would suggest just having been in it. I want to start out by saying to everyone, no matter what your position is going to be, and honestly, like in any industry, but I've definitely seen it first half, firsthand here, is that attitude is everything. Um, if you're a cool person to work with and you, you know, try hard and you're just, a, you're just good to have around, um, that will oftentimes outweigh talent or anything else. Uh, like you'll get work, you'll get brought back again and again because of your competence and your attitude, basically. Yeah. Um, and then to anyone that wants to act or write, really, again, anything in the industry, I would strongly recommend that you pick up a camera, learn how to shoot, learn how to do even a little bit of photography, learn how to do some basic editing, um, learn how to do these things because these these trades, again, will make you money when you are shopping your screenplay or, you know, just going to auditions, you can earn money, assistant editing and, and doing things like that. And, and more so if you're uh, an actor or a writer is if you know how to shoot and make these things, you can make your film, you can produce your own movie. You don't have to wait for someone to read your script and happen to like it, you know, catch them on a good day. You don't have to wait until you get the perfect audition and, they know it's you when you walk through the door and, and you're the guy or gal, you know, like you don't have to rely on people as much. So, you know, learn to produce is what I would say, which is learn to learn to make your, your stuff, make a couple short films at least, and just have that skill set because uh, it'll carry you through some, uh, some of the low tides. Also too, I would imagine it probably gives you some good perspective, right? You know, if, if being an actor and actress is, is your, your drive, but you've you've made some stuff, you've done some post production, you figured out some film skills and stuff like that. It might just help improve your acting ability, right? Absolutely, and that's something that I picked up, you know, in the military, which is just, you know, if you want to be a good leader, you have to learn how to follow. 
Like you have to have done those jobs that you're now telling those soldiers to do because you have to be able to competently do those jobs and show them how to do those jobs and supervise those jobs if you are going to be an effective leader. And it's the same thing in film. You get up to being a you know a director or producer or any of these heads. Uh, if you're a poor leader, it affects the work. And I've worked with plenty of people that were brilliant artistically or, or whatever, but their leadership skills were very poor and it's, extremely hard for them to get that talent to translate to the screen yeah there's that old saying you know hard work beats talent you know every day of the week right and um you can't you can't always just jump into the role and be the rock star right out of the gate right i mean it's 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 definitely it does happen it it happens yeah that's the thing those are the famous cases the people we see on you know on tv and the the small screens now because so many people consume media that way yeah uh, yeah, you see those golden ticket success stories for the most part. Right. Well, right. Hank, it was really great to uh, get a chance to learn a little bit about you and, and, and filmmaking, such a, a neat area, right? I mean, we all just consume so much video, so much content all the time. So, um, yeah, I thank you for your service, man, and, and just uh, the time spending with us and, and sharing with us a little bit about what you do. That's my pleasure. And, you know, on the, on what you said there, it's like we all consume so much. It's like, hey, kids, if you're looking at doing film school. Just remember, you know, you could end up working in marketing and, and working and, you know, anything like that. You can make money at it. Like it's those that type of industry is probably going to grow and grow as we live online and just consume things. Totally. Yeah. With your YouTubes and Netflix and, you know, Amazon Prime an and all that stuff. If you're lucky. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, Hank, thanks so much, man, for being on Armed and Ready Podcast. We super appreciate it and uh, wish you all the best in your new film coming up. Check it out. We got uh, put all our stuff on our website, uh, photonic.media. So you can you know, check out trailers, things like that. Sweet. Okay. Uh, our movies aren't boring, at least I think so. And uh, yeah, actually, a lot of veterans in them too. So. Do you? That's great. Oh, yeah. We try, we try to hire as many as we can here in Western Colorado when we're doing these films. So Perfect. That's awesome, man. Well, um, Awesome, Hank. Thank you so much. We'll check you out online. Take it easy. Take care. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. If you have any questions about the guests on the show, please reach out to me at valoneguy.us.